from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A flying leap. Oh my God! Of this year's flight cost the truck owners some dough. China makes another big soybean buy, but the market was more focused on the latest supply demand report. 125 million bushels of extra demand definitely kept that report from being uh, kind of a knock your socks off bearish type number. What caused soybeans to drop double digits and corn to sink right now on Ag Day? Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the testing grounds meet the proving grounds. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clint Griffiths. USDA announcing big soybean sales to China and unknown destinations. But it wasn't enough to put the market up after the release of the latest supply and demand report brought more changes to yields. Now diving into those numbers, starting with corn and the agency bumping up the yield to 174.9 bushels to the acre. That's an almost two bushel increase over last month and well above what the trade was anticipating. Production now at more than 15.2 billion bushels up 170 million from last month. As for soybeans, yields now expected to be 49.9 bushels to the acre. That's up slightly from a month ago, but still higher than the trade called for. Production coming in at 4.1 billion bushels, up 25 million on those higher yields. So what does all that mean for ending stocks? USDA anticipating corn at 2.15 billion bushels, soybeans at 245 million, and wheat at 684 million. Again, all higher than the trade expected. AgDay's Michelle Rook has been pouring over the numbers, and Michelle, the markets reacted very strongly to these new figures. That's right, and corn took out the September low in the process. However, the report did lean bearish for all the major grains, especially with bigger yield estimates for corn and even soybeans, which bucks historical trends. However, market analysts tell me that soybeans are likely to quickly return their focus back to South American weather, which has been supportive. USDA's nearly two-bushel corn yield bump was a bearish shock and goes against the trend of yields continuing to decrease from the October to the November report. However, USDA also raised demand by 125 million bushels, which offset the higher production estimate. So ending stocks were only raised 45 million bushels. Market analysts tell me it could have been much worse, with so many reports from farmers of better-than-expected yields. That was not as bad as it could have been because the USDA did offset quite a bit of that additional production with additional demand. Uh, they increased ethanol by 25 million bushels and they increased the feed residual and export category by 50 million bushels each. So uh, 125 million bushels of extra demand definitely kept that report from being uh, kind of a knock your socks off bearish type number. USDA also raised soybean yield instead of lowering it as some estimates projected and again bucked the historical trend. However, here USDA made no changes to either crush or export, so the net result was a 25 million bushel increase in carryout. Split says that's still tight, and with the huge pickup in exports and South American weather concerns, the market will likely bounce off the lows hit Thursday. Well, the carryout did go up to 245 million bushels. Um, you know, it's tough because you still have the South American story going on, and uh, it seems like the uh, the weather forecast right now still looks to see. Uh, the current pattern maintain, and that is uh, dry in the northern growing region, regions, Mato Grosso, uh, and then too wet down south, and that wetness has been exceedingly uh, uh, aggressive rainfall. 
Split says if that weather pattern continues, it will lower Brazilian production, but USDA did not make any revisions to the South American crop because it's still too early in the season. Wheat ending stocks were raised 14 million bushels to 684 million as USDA left exports unchanged and raised imports 10 million. Global stocks were raised 600,000 metric tons on wheat. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ad Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now, the numbers coming out as USDA also released some big flash sale news with China buying more than 1 million metric tons of soybeans. That's the 11th largest soybean flash sale on record. There was also a sale of more than 662,000 metric tons of soybeans to unknown destinations. You'll remember we told you yesterday there were reports Beijing importers purchased around 10 cargoes of soybeans totaling about 600,000 metric tons or more than 22 million bushels of beans. But despite the big trade news, the market was pulled back. Um, by the time we get confirmation in the, the flash export sales or the export sales report, a lot of times it's old news and, and you know a lot of people don't like that but that's the sad truth you know, someone's got to execute that business someone knows it's occurring uh, and so a lot of times it's priced into the market by the time we get those flash sales from the usda while some areas could see record-breaking heat others are seeing temperatures take a wild shift meteorologist matt engelbrecht has an update for us yeah, the forecast stuff for later on this afternoon, what we're going to start to see is that warm air push in and across the United States. So through the southeast, 85, Jacksonville, 77 in Wilmington. As we get into the morning hours, we really don't see a surge of cold air dropping from the north to the south. Actually, it's going to retreat back up to the northeast. So then by the time we get into our afternoon, now coming up tomorrow, seeing more of the 50s showing up into the plains and back out here towards the Midwest. So again, that cold air is going to retreat and move off to the northeast, and we're going to fill this gap in with a ridge of high pressure. Go ahead and take a look at your screen here. Fort Morgan, Colorado. And wow, what another fantastic harvest shop. Uh, shot. Uh, Jacob again sending this one in from uh, Colorado. When he took this, Jacob said he was closing in on the last field of rye. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. $4 million. That's how much a report says one company was willing to pay in order to jump the line at the Panama Canal as the key waterway battles severe drought. Bloomberg says the amount was paid by Japan's Enos Group at auction to expedite passage. The company also must pay the standard passage fee, which Bloomberg says is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now in August, more than 200 vessels were waiting to utilize the canal. Officials have been forced to dramatically reduce the canal's capacity due to drought. Daily reservation slots have been cut to 25 this month and 22 next month. On a normal day, it can handle an average of 40 transits. The Cotton Harvest Tour on Ag Day is brought to you by Delta Pine. Dedicated to cotton, committed to you. It's been extremely dry in Tennessee this fall, and that's helped propel the cotton harvest pace across the state. USDA shows as of Sunday, 76% of the crop was harvested 10 points ahead of the five-year average. Now, Tennessee was home to some of the best crop condition ratings across the country all year. And Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan may have found the garden spot for growing cotton this year. Walk out in these West Tennessee fields of white cotton and you'll walk into a snapshot of what 2023 produced. This year we've got a potential to make a really good cotton crop in, in Tennessee. Brad Williams has farmed for nearly 30 years and this crop is one to remember. This crop never really struggled at all. It's, it's even on 
warm, hot days that we've had, it never wilted any. It looked very exceptionally, just kept growing. He says now that pickers are rolling in the field, the crop is night and day from last year. I think we had record 14 days of 100 plus degrees, no rainfall. Cotton was really struggling to, to survive. But this year, the growing season was almost perfect. We just had very ideal growing conditions this year. And uh, I haven't had a year in 28 years, 29 years maybe, now that I have seen uh, a good growing conditions as we had this year. Williams says they're seeing yields at around 1,300 pounds of lint per acre. Last year, yields were 900 to 950 pounds per acre. And the prime growing conditions this year started at planting. Planting was pretty much on time this year. Very low pest populations in this crop. And we've been able to you know, maintain this crop as a um, pretty much weed free. He says now that harvest is happening, it's been extremely dry, which is good news for the quality of this year's crop we can make an exceptional crop and a good high quality crop. That's what we need to compete with the other cotton producing countries in the world. And, and I think we've got an exceptional sustainable product that's out here. We just need a good dry harvest from here on out. William says cotton isn't just what they grow, it's intertwined in everything they do here. We have a cotton gin and cotton infrastructure in the warehouse and cotton seed operation also. We're kind of more vertical integrated operation and cotton is our, our mainstay. While cotton is a staple for their family, it's an industry that continues to weather its own storms. Now in my career, we, I believe we were around 830 gins nationwide. I think that number's closer to 500 now. As cotton continues to fight for acres in this area, it's a crop that comes with high risks and high rewards. Cotton's a riskier crop to grow. It's an expensive crop to grow. Williams says despite the risks, he's just thankful for such an exceptional crop this year. As he says, growing cotton here is one that's rooted in faith and the drive to persevere. I enjoy everything about it. I enjoy the picking of it, the ginning aspect of it, producing a quality, you know, fiber that, that can be used uh, around the world. is something just special and unique and, and a blessing to be able to do it. Grain prices, including soybeans, fall double digits on Thursday following that USCA report. We'll take a closer look coming up next in Markets Now. And later, deer can be a danger to vehicles, but not usually when they're parked. The wild story behind this viral video in the country. More ag companies are releasing third quarter earnings. That includes Corteva. This week, it reported a loss of $321 million in its third quarter. On a per share basis, it had a loss of 45 cents. That's higher than Wall Street had expected of a loss of 26 cents per share. Now, Reuters says the small third quarter loss was helped by higher prices for the company's seeds. Corteva's third quarter seed net sales rose $878 million from $862 million last year. And Bayer posting earnings that the company's CEO said came in largely as they expected, but with the company's new CEO Bill Anderson confirming they are considering separating either Bayer's consumer health or crop science divisions from the rest of the group. Now, the company saying earnings fell 31% to just over $1.7 billion. It's due to lower earnings in its crop science division. It made for a quarterly net loss of $4.89 billion. That's against a profit of $584 million a year earlier. The release of the latest supply and demand report busted the several-day gain streak for soybeans. Michelle Rook is back with in-depth analysis 
in markets now. Green markets were lower on Thursday after the WASDE report. Uh, joining us with analysis is Don Rose, U.S. Commodities, and Don, uh, higher yield production and ending stocks on both corn and soybeans. And we did see some reaction to that in the trade. Yeah, most definitely. You know, the uh, government came out with bigger yields on corn, 1.9 bushels up uh, three-tenths of a bushel on soybeans. Uh, it surprised the trade a little bit, although the whisper was for higher numbers. Um, but I think the trade was hopeful that maybe we won't see bigger numbers. But also ending stocks went up on corn, but demand went up on uh, ethanol exports and domestic demand on feed. So a little bit of a positive there, lower prices buying some demand. But overall, a report that I would say is negative on corn, more neutral negative on soybeans and wheat, Michelle. Yeah, so corn, we did take out uh, the December contract anyways, the September and the summer lows. So where do we project to now? Yeah, we did. We took out the summer lows, like you said, and the downside. So uh, September corn went off the board at 455 and three quarters on a low. So that's the downside target on these continuation charts, you know. So round number 450, 455 is probably the big support zone. And, you know, we still have some potential for the upside again, Michelle. The basis level's firming up and uh, South America weather's on the radar. Yeah, and beans also faded the big export sales that came at the market, but we had kind of already priced that in, didn't we? Yeah, you know, the soybeans went into uh, this report on a, on a rally and a uh, little bit of a negative report. When you take the ending stocks up on soybeans, it's not a positive. So we had to react to it. But, uh, you know, technical damage was done. But, you know, there's support uh, on the downside. And again, much like corn, the trade's going to watch very close what happens to this weather over the weekend and uh, each weekend going forward. I was going to say, Don, really doesn't matter how much technical damage you do in soybeans. If South American weather doesn't turn around, uh, this could get explosive, couldn't it? Yeah, you know, very much so it could. I mean, even a 200, uh, you know, our carry out uh, close to that 250 million is not, you know, over some embarrassing when you uh, have the uh, South America between Argentina and Brazil uh, produce almost twice the uh, the volume of soybeans that we do. Um, yeah. So it's a big issue going forward. And China's underneath the market buying U.S. soybeans. So I think they're telling us they're concerned also, Michelle. Thanks for joining us, Don Rose, U.S. Commodities. That is Markets Now. We'll have more egg day coming up. For all your risk management and trading needs, call one of the U.S. Commodities Specialists at 800-247-4071. Overall, that drought monitor is still needing some rain through Louisiana, Texas. Now, we should get uh, kind of a, a tropical system, a hybrid tropical system, bringing uh, a lot of rain to those locations. And as we talked about yesterday and the day before, should help the Mississippi River in terms of water level. But you need a couple of those systems at the very least spread out over the course of an entire month before we really start to alleviate those drought conditions. Now, ridge high pressure is still expected to set up a blocking pattern uh, setting up across the United States Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of next week. You got a low pressure system that's going to try, and this is a trough it's going to try to dig down to the south, but because of that ridge building uh, over Oklahoma and Texas, this is going to eject more to the northeast rather than the Midwest or dig down in the Midwest. A similar situation back up here, top left corner of your screen, watching another system trying to come down and in across the United States. 
That energy, though, is mainly going to stay up to the north and result in a clipper system. It's not until Thursday, Friday and Saturday that this ridge is pattern finally starts to break down. That's when we pool that colder air Thursday and Friday and it'll sweep down in and across the United States. So this pattern, you know, the blocking pattern we've been talking about the last couple of days, that'll last through most of the work week and it's not until the weekend, next weekend, that'll start to break down. Otherwise, precipitation outlook and November 14th through the 18th, you got a pocket of cool air, but also rain chances increasing through Southern California, staying dry uh, up into the Dakotas, in Minnesota, as well as in Wisconsin and upstate New York. Again, that's the 14th through the 18th. Let's start off in Minnesota. Big Fork, a cloudy high around 34 degrees. Perryville, Missouri, sunny high of 64, low of 31. Kenton, Ohio, mostly sunny, high of 60, low temperature of 31 degrees. The future of the Farm Bill remains on hold. We have an update from Washington coming up next. And later, you have Dasher and Dancer, Prancer and Vixen, and now this New Jersey Whitetail is trying to make a name for itself. The wild story behind this viral video in the country. A slight change in opinion about the Farm Bill from one Ag Committee leader, House Ag Committee Chairman Republican G.T. Thompson, now saying, do not expect a full House Farm Bill vote until January at the earliest. Farm Journal Washington analyst Jim Wiesmeyer says Thompson argues it's due to delays in getting scoring on proposals and technical responses from USDA along with a lack of agreement on key issues. Now he says Thompson also pointed to the current House schedule, which is only expected to be in session two weeks in December. Now, as we reported earlier this week, Thompson had hoped to pass a House version of the Farm Bill next month, but had also said an extension would still be necessary to create a bridge until the Senate finishes its work on the bill. USDA is releasing a new rule aimed at helping contract poultry growers. The rule requires live poultry dealers to give information about the terms of their agreements to poultry growers who they contract to raise birds. Now, it requires the use of what the agency calls a live poultry dealer disclosure document. This document uh, is designed to provide a, a realistic uh, set of outcomes that growers can expect before they make an important contracting decision or before uh, they make uh, key capital investment decisions. Specifically, the rule requires dealers disclose some earnings for growers, establish minimum flock placements, and explain variable costs growers may face, along with how companies handle such things as sick flocks and natural disasters. Selling a vehicle privately can be a challenge. Up next, how a potential sale in New Jersey got even more difficult thanks to a flying deer. The story behind this viral video in the country. When you think of flying deer, Rudolph and friends often come to mind. A uh, deer in New Jersey may be the next to take over flying Santa sleigh. 13-year-old Troy Westcott was outside his Maze Landing, New Jersey home, shooting hoops with his dog Parker when he heard rustling in the leaves. Now the dog spotted the deer first and just watched the spectacular scene that unfolded here. But just as spectacular as the leap was this coincidence. The 2007 Chevy Silverado pickup was for sale, and at the exact same moment the prospective buyer pulled up to close the deal, that deer slammed into the pickup. Everyone was stunned, including the buyer, who 
wasted no time in asking. How about a little break on the price for the damage to the truck? Now the dent left by the young bucks saved the buyer 1,000 bucks off the asking price, but everyone had a good laugh about it. We think that the deer was trained. <laughs> I said, man, I know y'all brought that deer with you. By the way, the deer seems to be okay. It was spotted on a neighbor's trail cam shortly after taking that leap. All right, that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Dan Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. Have a fun time.